Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. Fun episode for you guys today. We're doing a lot of news. We're not at Pikes Peak, which we'll explain on. We are not. We'll explain that on Monday. That's a story that's kind of long. That deserves a little bit more attention. That's on Monday. We'll talk to you guys about that. Um, This episode is brought to you by our Patreons. That's right. We cannot thank you guys enough for the guys that have signed up. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's only $5. You can sign up and support the show. $10, you can get a shirt. $25, you can get a print from me. And like I always say, I don't sell prints. So this is really your only way to get one if you want something. Um, Plus, you get to just support the show. Exclusive content. We just released a new episode last week. Yeah, maybe we should release a nice little trailer for that so people can hear hear a little bit about what we do on some of those. It's a little more casual. It's a little more you and me. And we kind of, you know. We get off the, uh, the beaten path a little bit. Jake, are you ready for some news? Let's get to it. All right. So uh, as predicted by me, okay. <laughs> cars are helping people cope with the pandemic. Well, now, of course they are. That's like, yeah. Well, yeah, but that's just logic. Cars matter more to people than people that don't like cars think is kind of is kind of the point here. A new study has been conducted by one poll about the way that cars are helping Americans cope during COVID-19 and the relationship Americans have with their vehicles. Americans are turning to a surprising place to get a little alone time during the pandemic, their cars. Have you ever spent any alone time <laughs> in a car? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> a new study of 2000. Wait, wait, now I'm now I'm curious if we're actually serious about what you're implying. <laughs> a new study of 2000 Americans who own or lease a vehicle found nearly three and four use their set of wheels as a private space to get away from the people they live with. Almost 75%, that's their space. That's where they That's where they go. And a lot of it is because cars are a good escape because you can get in the car and you can go somewhere that's not where you are. As simple as that is, that's that's what they're kind of talking about there. Right. Beyond becoming a haven for me time, other activities respondents are grateful to have a... <laughs> Why are you making this Other activities respondents loaded. are grateful to have a car for during these times include leisurely drives, 56%, road trips, 45%, and a way to carry home improvement supplies. Wait, what? 37%. <laughs> like, wh- why is that different in the pandemic time? I don't know. Before the pandemic, I guess they used to just, like, carry them on their shoulders. Yeah, something. I don't get it. Over a third have used their vehicle as a place to take businesses. I think a lot of it is that people are doing more home improvement. Yeah, right. Over a third have used their vehicle as a place to take business or personal phone calls. 37%. I do that. Like now with the kids and everything like that, I hop in the car to do like a Zoom meeting. You'll just go out to the garage. Just go out and sit in the car or whatever. 32% have turned their driver's seat into a makeshift office space. 7 in 10 think of their car as an extension of their home and as a part of their family. 68%. Mm. 68% think their home is part of the family. That's very, very special. That is special, Chris. So what are you doing then when you're doing me time with your... <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> with your other member of your family is your car. Ooh, you're having me time in there. Hold on. Uh, the wife is going to get jealous. <laughs> car owners revealed that the emotional attachment has led 35% of respondents to actually name their car. So some of those creative names include Betsy, Bertha, Bumblebee. They talk to a lot of Camaro owners, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry. Dr. Ben. Dr. Ben? What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, hello, Dr. Ben. I'm here for some me time. (laughs) And Falcon. Falcon. Uh, (laughs) Wow, okay, hold on. These cannot be like the most common names. They must have just picked the weirdest ones. Uh, Yeah, well, Dr. Ben, yeah. Dr. Ben and Falcon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Within that time frame, the average person will eat 288 meals in their car and belt out songs 432 times. There you go. Two thirds. You're, you're not a big car singer, are you, Chris? Yes, I am. I will. Yes, I'll never scream heard in the you car. sing in well, the car. Um, well, I do. When I listen to, you <laughs> that's know, your like, me time when yeah, you do your me time. Yeah, the singing and everything else. <laughs> oh, it's all about me and I'm going to sing. Two thirds of respondents <laughs> say they experience some unforgettable life moments in their vehicle. There you go. Like I have. Uh, just in, you know, Mookie Dugway and all these other places that I've been, the road trips, the everything else. I'm surprised you didn't take the innuendo route on this fact. No, this is way too important to, to overlook okay. that you really have had unforgettable life moments in your car. The car can either be part of that moment or you can take you to the place that that moment can happen. Right. 42% of those surveyed had their first kiss in their car. Here we go. Well, two and five say they had to had the move in together conversation with their partner while seated in their vehicle. Yeah, I yeah. suppose that's probably... Because before, it's, you have a lot of important conversations when you drop someone off, right? You pull up to their house, you're like, hey, you know, uh, uh, Bertha... Had a, had, had a great night tonight. I had a great night tonight. Give her the kiss. And then six months later, it's, I had a great night tonight. You know, your apartment sucks. Why don't you move <laughs> in with me? And then that's, you know... That's, yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Um, I, are you going to have those conversations when it's a self-driving car? Or is it just going to be like the car's like beeping at you that it needs to go, it needs to leave. Door ajar, door ajar, door ajar. <laughs> um, 42% of those, oh, sorry. Romance aside, cars were also the home of major professional decisions. 38% have received a job offer in their car and 37% have learned about a promotion. I could see that. You just spend a lot of time in the car. Obviously, these type of things by default are going to start happening. Yeah, but a lot of times I know of several coworkers who like, what are you going to do if you're taking a call about a job interview? At work? You can't do it at work. No, you just go in the car. So you always see. go in the car. Yeah, where the boss isn't listening. All right, so some of the top activities that made respondents grateful for their vehicles. Leisurely drives, 56%. And I'm not going to read the number after every single one of these, but it goes down from here. Road trips, getting quiet time for myself. <laughs> going for a day trip, carrying supplies for home improvement project. Place for private and business calls. Going camping. Makeshift office. To go somewhere I've never been before. Going to a drive-in movie, going hiking, to go off-roading. There you go. It's every, how many of these? So one, two, three, four, five, six out of the 12 of these, 50% of these are about exploring something new. Yeah, you're right. And that's the number one thing that's great about cars. All right, so... Um, C8 Corvier. Corvier. Corvier's. Wait, what is a Corvier? <laughs> it's a new Corvette, Corvair project that, uh -huh. Cor that Chevy's been working uh -huh. on. It's actually air-cooled AV uh -huh. hybrid. Oh, I like they it. They put the engine in the back. So the EV in Corvier is actually yeah, the, exactly. it's the capital. It's capital. They're playing words. So C8 Corvette engineers being yanked to work on other EV projects. That is boring. Inside EV reported on the switch up Thursday saying select figures will stay on the Corvette crew. Um, the model's chief executive engineer is amongst these as he'll supposedly stick around, bringing experiences from the vet's three most recent generations with him. Ed Piatek, the Corvette's current chief engineer, has allegedly been reassigned to the same position in GM's future product division. It's, yeah, we don't need to know the exact people, but uh, these are big players in the Corvette. I guess, project right. that are being yanked over to EV Yeah, GM, GM's vice president of autonomous and electric vehicle programs, Ken Morris, basically the grim reaper of Corvette, um, <laughs> told Corvette <laughs> Forum in a statement, General Motors is committed to an all-electric future. Wow. General Motors is committed to an all-electric future, just like 
you know, like, well, that's every manufacturer. Every manufacturer's gonna say that, but they don't obviously don't say when. I'm excited to be putting the team that redefines supercar performance. Let's let's <laughs> dial it down a little bit here. Let's let's reel in the hype. Uh-huh. Um, uh, design and attainability in key roles to help us integrate and execute our EVs to those same high standards. Do you think? I mean, some of these guys were probably excited, they're like we could shape the next new platform. But others, from what I read, they're not. They're not not excited. About it. The automaker reported also confirmed the reprioritization will not come to the expense of future high performance variations of the Corvette, which are anticipated to include a hypercar rivaling 1,000 horsepower called the Zora. After completing this and what other other variants of C8 lie ahead, the project engineers will, per an allegedly leaked memo, be tasked with applying their C8 expertise to EVs running the gamut of affordable to high-performance models. GM's pledge to fully electrify, of course, portends the eventual switch of the Corvette to electric drive. Hmm. That would come as a surprise if this changeover occurred before the launch of the eventual C9. Yeah, I can't imagine. I wouldn't even see it in the C9. I think it's probably... It's a because that. that especially is a car, a brand, a platform that they got to wait for some boomers be, to die. It's going to be one of the holdouts, that. I imagine. Yeah, it's kind of like like I have a I have a tattoo, but I don't want my grandma to know about it. So I, I, and I want to get a couple <laughs> other tattoos, but I'm not going to do it till after she's gone. And I feel like that's what Corvette I is forgot, doing right now. I forgot you had a tattoo. Yeah, it's it's regrettable. Um, <laughs> but I want to get some other ones, but I'm waiting till my grandma's gone because I don't want her to be upset with me. And that's exactly what they're doing. They got a bunch of Corvette wearing <laughs> white New Balance stonewashed jean guys out there. And they're like, well, we got to wait till those guys are gone until yeah, we so put it. We got another 10 or 20 years here. All right, Chris, serious time and energy has gone into making the new 2021 Rolls-Royce Ghost interior as quiet as possible. I'm going to run down some of the stats and things they did to make this car so quiet. Okay. The nearly 7-liter V12 engine has been insulated from the cabin with a double-skinned bulkhead. So what is that? It's, just it's basically uh, like two firewalls is the way I understand it. With some sound deadening stuff in the right. middle, probably. Then more than 220 pounds of sound-absorbing materials were added in the roof, floor, and trunk areas alone, in addition to the double-glazed windows, along with tires lined with lightweight acoustic insulation foam. How much do those cost? I've had, where have Come I seen, on. I've seen these. Have you seen these tires? You can, can you buy them at the tire place? I, I don't know where I saw them, but I was like, what is going on in here? It's basically think of a regular tire, but inside it looks like someone glued like acoustic foam inside it. I wonder if you could just take the, uh, the stuff that they use to fill up the rust in my expanding foam yeah, and, just and rig up. expanding <laughs> <Yeah>. foam. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You this don't is, even need air in the exactly. tire. <laughs> This is just, uh, what's the, the stuff you fill your tires with? Fix-a-flat. Yeah, this is just fix-a-flat. Yeah. <laughs> so when they checked the acoustics, they got it so quiet that engineers found that the HVAC, HVAC ducts needed to then be further smoothed to prevent unwanted noises from entering the cockpit. Now, I when I turn the fan to four in my Volkswagen, I'm like, yeah, you, you can't talk on the phone. You have right. to turn it back to three right. or two. So you can hear. So these guys spend a lot of time with the HVAC ducting. That's probably well. the, that's the loudest, most annoying thing for me in an engine. Or I'm sorry, in a car is not the engine. It's the H, it's the blower motors and everything. I guess so I loud. can see that. Yeah. So removing all the noises turned out to be quote disorienting for occupants. Oh, so like every electric car. Yeah, basically. Okay, got it. So it's so quiet though, Chris. Not even just engine noise, just any ambient or road noise. It was so quiet that it was like basically alarming and disorienting for their clientele, as they put it. So engineers needed to create a, quote, whisper 
that is a soft undertone that clients experienced as a single subtle note. Each component then had to be tuned to the specific resonance frequency, so they created acoustically tuned dampening units for the seat frames and several ports between the cabin and the trunk. I guess you get what you pay for. <laughs> I just don't understand. They spent so much time and effort to make it like just basically a sound booth. Well, they were right? all in at that point. And they're, they're like, like well, wait, now people don't like it. They don't it's like creepily it. Creepily quiet. Yeah. Well, you're, how are you, if you're listening to Beethoven at the volume you should be in one of these things, it's probably not going to be an issue. No, I would Who drives that. around in their car without the radio on in a Rolls Royce? You're listening to to Yanni or something, right? I mean, <laughs> Yanni, come on, that's come what on. they're listening to. Or Michael to? Buble. I mean, well, what I do you see that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're not sitting in silence on one of those things, anyway. So, um, Germany's Motor Vehicle Authority (KBA). This is honestly, this is ridiculous. How okay. are we, how we're getting to this point? Okay. Uh, they're investigating Volkswagen's luxury sports vehicle unit Porsche over the. Isn't it Porsche? Isn't Volkswagen luxury? Porsche's? Uh, economy brand doesn't Porsche own most of <laughs> over the suspected manipulation of petrol engines to achieve improved emissions data. So this Porsche's is another cheating. cheating scandal. A KBA spokesman said on Monday, the investigation involved petrol engines, not diesels this time, uh, produced for the European market before 2017. I think it's uh, 911s and Panameras from like uh, 2008 to 2013. Okay. Uh, a Porsche spokesman said, Porsche is regularly and continuously reviewing technical and regulatory aspects of its vehicles. As part of the such internal examinations, Porsche has identified issues and has, just like in the past, proactively informed authorities. So there's basically like a NARC team. Oh, yeah. You, you have the your whistleblowers. Yeah. They're, except they're paid to do that. They're, it's basically IA, internal, in, or internal yeah. investigations. Internal affairs. Internal affairs, yeah. You're right. Those guys, everybody hates those guys. <laughs> Imagine they're like Hans, the internal affairs guy, walking around with his clipboard. Yeah, so and you're just yeah. like, you're working on something. You're like, oh my God, it's Hans again. Uh, uh, don't over-torque this. You know? uh, the, the Porsche spokesman on Sunday said the issues related to vehicles developed several years ago, adding there's no indications that current production has been affected. The car maker was working closely with authorities, he added. Uh, so from what, 2000, 2008 to 2013 Panamera 911 models. So that's with, the 991 or is that still no, that's 997, 997 still? It's gotta be 997 with suspected illegal changes to hardware and software that could affect exhaust systems and engine components. So they, I couldn't find what, actually, what actually it is. I have no idea what it could actually be. So no, no clue, but this is of course not good for, for them. All right. So we're getting a golf R. Did you know that? What? Yeah, we're getting a golf R. Wagon. Wagon. No, we're not. Undisguised prototypes of the new Golf R, tip for unveiling before the end of 2020, have already re uh, revealed the hot hatchbacks production styling. But now we've had our first glimpse of the estate variant. But it's not going to come to the U.S., Chris. The prototype appears to be masquerading as the off-road inspired all-track version of the new Golf, but it oh. gives itself away as the top-rung performance model with its large wheels and low-profile tires. So I saw Blue the photo of it, and I was like, oh, it's really styled weird. But that's the camouflage on the that's, front of the headlights. Okay. It's yeah, not, that's not how I got gotcha. you. Really uh, low-profile tires, blue brake calipers, prominent air intakes, and a rear spoiler. Another clue to its identity is the quad exit exhaust system, which matches that of the previously spotted Golf R test mules. The slide revealed that the R will put out 329 horsepower, which is 30 horsepower more than the previous one, from a heavily boosted EA888 turbocharged 2-liter petrol engine as featured in the new Tiguan R and Ardian R. As before, this will be put through a Haldex-based four-wheel drive system 
7-speed DSG automatic gearbox, while a new torque vectoring system is expected to be introduced. A manual gearbox isn't expected to be offered. So is it confirmed, though, that we could see a wagon over here? We, don't, they, we won't know that. But I don't see why not. Mm. It's just a golf. You know, yeah. they already have the all-track, and they're going to sell, if they're selling... That's true. If they're selling other wagons of... I guess I can't say... Well, look at it this way. <laughs> if you look at a Golf R, uh-huh. your flashlight's on on your phone, by the way. It's really bright and driving me absolutely crazy. Oh, no, that's the sun. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's the the flashlight of the universe right there. All right, can you move your sunglasses? That's like super bright. Really? So it's yeah, just it's glaring super, at you? Yeah, it was awful. It was certain right next to your phone. Um, My look, sunglasses were glaring at you. Oh, yeah, very good, Jake. Yep. Very good. All right, so the uh, think of it this way. What's a that? Golf R has basically the same engine as a GTI. Okay. It has the same drivetrain as a Golf 4 Motion. Sure. And all they do is put a KO4 on it, turn up the boost. It's the same car. How can they... Do they have to <laughs> Do they have to crash test it just because it has a different turbo? Right? Do they have to do that? Or, or do they know. just crash test a wagon and say that this is a different trim level? Maybe. Because if that's what it is, we'll get it. Maybe. Although with the with the RS4 that we... Ne- RS4 Avant that we never got, they had exactly. S4 Avants. Exactly. I don't know. We'll see. It has to do more with market demand than anything. It's not. It's also not yet clear if a long-rumored flagship Golf R Plus, expected to produce as much as 400 horsepower, will be saved for a debut next year or even later. That'd be cool. It would be cool to have a Golf R wagon. I mean, yeah. I would. I would rather have a GTI wagon. Like, I don't want to pay. This thing's got to be forty thousand dollars. Yeah, you're probably right? right. I would rather have just like a GTI wagon. The problem is there's no differentiation between a Golf R and a gti anymore yeah there's side horsepower all-wheel drive that's a huge designation it's a different drive system that's big you can get the you cannot get a gti in all-wheel drive no but you can get that same wagon golf wagon i could basically make a golf r wagon out of my all track right take the turbo off <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, what i'm talking here about we go. that's what i'm talking beep, about boop, hello uh uh apr uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> please send me this stuff immediately. That's what I mean. my yeah. wife would oh my gosh she does it not, used to be she won't let me touch the, wagon. the r32 was the big v6 all-wheel drive manual trans couldn't get anything close to that they can't they cannot have a v6 in the cars anymore they just can't do it <sighs> it's sad all right, so Chris, where's your wife when we need her? Because this next story is right up probably her in the bathroom. <laughs> well, she'll like this. This is this is really crazy. Business Insider recently broke a story which claimed that a Volkswagen employee is quote probably responsible for one of the biggest wiretapping scandals in the history of the German economy. Okay. You see, back in 2016, a Bosnian parts When you say VW employee, I'm just imagining like some guy on the assembly line putting like a bug in every single car that goes by (laughs) on the assembly line, just like tapping every single one. That would be nuts. Wow, you could actually do that. You could actually do that. If you could find a way to make it, uh, if you could plant an LTE device Uh that would have a recording device that would upload Uh whenever the car is moving, upload an audio file. Why would you want to do that? I don't know who who all owns, <laughs> who all owns Volkswagens. I mean, they sell. You could slowly go through them, and then all of a sudden find out that you know and Angela Merkel's cousin has one, and she found out that Angela Merkel has a extra key for the nuclear device in Berlin, and she's ready to use it. Could be useful. <laughs> That's where your head went? I don't know. Okay, no, that's not what happened. All right, in 2016, a Bosnian... Well, there's no way that your story is better than the one I just told you. <laughs> Damn it, Chris. <laughs> You're not supposed to bury the lead like that. Go ahead. All right, I'm... <laughs> go, just go. It's a good story. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> in 2016, 
2016, a Bosnian part supplier called the Prevent Group. Prevent? Prevent. Prevent Group withheld parts deliveries to Volkswagen. Well, it sounds like they're a Prevent Group if they yeah, withheld yeah, the parts. Right. They're preventing you um, from getting the parts. Amid a price dispute, this forced the car maker to temporarily halt output at six factories, affecting nearly 28,000 workers. As a result, Volkswagen decided to eliminate Prevent or Prevent from its list of suppliers. Okay, big deal. Okay, These guys no were like, screw you. This is where things get interesting. Apparently, there were over 50 hours worth of meetings inside the high ranks of Volkswagen dedicated to not only eliminating Prevent Group as a supplier, but also discussing how to effectively ruin the business. Wow. At one point- How can we prevent prevent from doing anything? <laughs> exactly. At one point, the secret group discusses how the company could leverage foreman German Chancellor Gerhard Schroeder's Kremlin ties to damage Prevent's business in Russia. Good grief. Like, they're going deep here. However, one man who was involved- Imagine the conversation that happened to make them hate you this much. Wow. I mean, this is, this yeah. is some hateful, vindictive stuff exactly. right here. Exactly. At the highest levels. So one man who was involved in these meetings- Anytime was, you involve the Kremlin, like, we got to get the Kremlin to just- <laughs> To just bury these guys. Didn't, like, a British spy, like, tuck a, touch a park bench and die- because of like he was a he was in the Germans he knew something this happened not that long ago like a year ago he like really? touched he like sat down at a park bench and touched something or touched a doorknob or whatever it was and basically died just from touching this chemical on his hand the Kremlin does not mess around wow. they do not mess around how else do you think Vladimir Putin's been in power for however many years <laughs> they just kill everybody we are KGB. <laughs> uh, uh, one man who was involved in these meetings was Volkswagen's procurement manager. For more than a year, the procurement manager was alleged to have recorded secret meetings of an internal Volkswagen unit entrusted with, quote, controlling or getting rid of the undesirable Bosnian supplier of, this is kind of funny, all they supply are seat covers and gearbox parts. That's it. Like, all this over seat covers, Chris. On 4th of March, 2018, Sergei a former Russian military officer and double agent for the UK's intelligence service, and his daughter, Yulia, were poisoned in the city of Salisbury, England, uh, with a Novichok nerve agent, according to the UK sources, and the Organization for Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. After three weeks in critical condition, Yulia regained consciousness and was able to speak. Uh, Sergei was also in critical condition until he regained consciousness. Yeah, the, yeah, right here. A forensics tent covers the bench where Sergey and uh, Yulia fell unconscious. So they sat on this bench, got poisoned, and almost died. Wow. That's that's what the Kremlin does. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, just just wait till you hear the rest of my story. Okay. Okay. So, Someone dies on a park bench later in the story. I'm going to be no, absolutely floored. It's uh, okay. But let recap. So this guy is recording these high level vindictive conversations at Volkswagen on how to like basically destroy this part supplier that kind of. I'm, I'm ruining your story. I know I am, but listen to how they got this nerve agent on them. This is ridiculous. Okay. Sure. On, uh, on June 30th, 2018, a similar poisoning of two British nationals in Amesbury, seven miles north of Salisbury, involved the same nerve agent, which is well known to be used by Russians. Um, a man found a perfume bottle, later discovered to contain the agent in a litter bin somewhere in Salisbury, and gave it to a woman who sprayed it on her wrist. <gasps> hey, honey, I found this perfume in the garbage. Do you want to try oh, I'm sure. it? It's great. Uh, she fell ill within 15 minutes and died. But the wow. man, Charlie Raleigh, who also came in contact with the poison, survived. The British police believe this incident was not a targeted attack, but a result of the way the nerve agent was disposed of after the poisoning in Salisbury. So basically, they walked by the bench and went, 
and then just chucked it in the garbage. Yep. And some dude was like, holy oh, shit, I found oh, something for my girlfriend. This looks high end. He probably like sprayed it in front of his face. Like, oh, this stuff smells so good. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and then collapses like five seconds later. Oh my God. So, yeah. So getting the Kremlin involved is serious. That's that's my point. I right. will not interrupt you for the rest of this okay. story. Well, I here's, promise. Here's, it's not much longer. Here's what happened. On the evening of August 10th, a burned out car was found in a field near Helmstelt with a dead body inside. Reports from Germany say there's a high probability that the dead man is the alleged Volkswagen manager that secretly recorded the meetings. According to the public prosecutor, the torched car belonged to the Volkswagen employee. The prosecutor's office added that it had not yet been able to formally confirm the identity of the deceased because he's so badly he's just a He's just charbroiled Yikes. brisket guy. The prosecutor's office is now looking at whether the death is linked to the manager at the center of Volkswagen. Have, do Germans have cookouts? Do you think? <laughs> it just sounds like I a was, very untasteful joke. I know, and it's not. I was just wondering, like the guy. I was just thinking, like, oh yeah, he's just basically a brisket right now. And I was just wondering if Germans have cookouts. Do they? Have, I've never seen like Germans out there like flipping steaks and burgers and stuff like that. How do you think they might bratwurst, Chris? I guess. Well, I don't know. In a pan? I'm not sure. We'll just not. We'll just. Sorry, that was just an unnecessary tangent. Go ahead. The prosecutor's office is now looking at whether the death is linked to the manager at the center of the Volkswagen eavesdropping probe and whether there are links to an arson attack on his house in May. Uh, yes. Wait, what? So, <laughs> not only was this guy found dead in his torched car, just months before, his house was the victim of an arson attack. How could this have been prevented? Prevent! Come I on, know, man! I know, I get it. It was just a bad joke. No, it was a great joke. <laughs> when asked about the incident, the Prevent Group labeled <laughs> it a tragic event. And while Volkswagen said it would be inappropriate to speculate on the matter. So here's what I'm gathering, Chris. This guy was like, whoa, Volkswagen, you guys are going a bit too far on this whole revenge thing, and decided to become a whistleblower and records a year's worth of dirt on Volkswagen executives. Then Volkswagen must have gotten wind of this because they're the ones that have anything to lose by this getting out and sent someone to burn the guy's house down as a message to basically bury the evidence and drop the whole whistleblower case. But it obviously got out because we're reporting on it. So now he's found dead in his car. Wow. Yeah. Volkswagen. I mean, this is Dieselgate. What puts Dieselgate to shame. We're yeah. like lighting dudes on fire in their car. And I like... This basically alludes to the fact that somehow Volkswagen hired a fixer to try to bury the story, and it got out. Yeah, all this could have been prevented if they just would have delivered the parts but in the first place. But prevented. Yeah, they couldn't do it. All right, Chris, so, uh, Chris, it could have been prevented. It absolutely, absolutely could. So have you ever heard of uh, Mountoon? Mountoon. Yeah, Mountoon is a performance uh, parts manufacturer for Ford stuff. Like They're like APR or Revo for Ford. Oh, kind of. They've okay. been around forever. I they do other tuning things as well. Did not actually. Um, they're 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 pretty cool company. Uh, performance part manufacturer Mountoon is seeking a potential buyer or investment partner. It has been announced following the resignation of its founder from the board of directors. Established in 1980, the Essex-based company specializes in performance parts for Ford models, particularly particularly the Fiesta, Focus, and Mustang. In recent years, it set up an additional facility in L.A. to cater to the burgeoning American market, where it also offers parts for Ford's bestseller F-150 pickup. In the last month, its founder and technical director, David Mountain, I mean, what a great name, David Mountain, David Mountain uh, has reduced his involvement in the business, resigning as director in July and now working with the company purely on a part-time basis, a Mountain spokesman confirmed. 
Counts for the tuner are now overdue by almost a year. Oh, with the last published figures, those for the fiscal year ending December of 2017, show a trading loss of 107,000 pounds. So we're probably looking at... If that's 2017, it's a lot more. It's got to be now. like half a million pounds now at Jeez. this point. Uh, a possible outcome could be the purchase of Mount Tune by Ford itself, following the precedent set by the likes of BMW and Alpina or Mercedes Benz and AMG. Right. Which Just bring be, the tuning house in under the fold. Would be really, really cool. I just, I can't see a manufacturer. They already doing have, that. like, does SVT still exist under Ford? Or I haven't seen any. When was the last SVT? The Focus SVT was that the or the Contour? At remember the Ford? Because I suppose they just went to RS, right? Instead right. Of SVT. Well, they went to ST. They went to ST. The Ford Focus RS is the first and only RS that we've seen in America, I yeah, believe. You're right. And then you have the Fiesta ST, Focus ST, Mustang GT, GT five thousand, GT five hundred million three fifty. Well, those are all technically Shelby GT five hundred. Right, but we haven't seen any SVT stuff. I don't think since the since the Ford Focus SVT. Right, which I drove one of those. I almost bought one. They're great cars. They're naturally aspirated, aren't they? Yeah, it's a naturally aspirated like ZTEC engine, I okay. believe. I, I don't know if it's like a Cosworth engine in that thing. Just I revs really, well. I really don't remember, but it, it drove great, revved well. I ended up getting a GTI instead just because... Was that the Mark IV VR6 you had? Yeah, the Mark IV 24 valve VR6 I ended up with instead of a Focus SVT. And now looking back, which would I rather have now? The, the Focus. I'd rather have the Focus. For it's, sure. It's, it's a better car. And they're cheap they are out oh, really? there really cheap so if you can get that, that would be a good car to grab and mm. uh if you could find a low mileage one and and have and tool around in they're they're a cool car cool car under the radar for sure all right chris this is probably my favorite story of the week and it comes from a hyundai dealership in brazil it turns out that there was a stray dog hanging around the dealership which is just a pro- that's a problem you don't want a stray dog no you don't but it turned out to seem friendly enough, and so after a while, the dealership, quote, adopted the dog and named him after the brand's small SUV, Tucson. And as you can imagine, Tucson became the center of attention at the dealership, so much so that he has become an international viral phenomenon, has his own uh, Instagram account. How many followers does he have? He has way more than us. Jeez. Way more than us, Chris. <laughs> well, he's, you know, he's, you need, hey, your dog looks exactly like this dog. It is an uncanny resemblance. Maybe we need to my dog. the Overcrest dog, and then we'll maybe get more followers. Just what do you think? Hank will be the official Overcrest dog? Yeah, why not? All right. Yeah, let's, sure. Yeah, no uh, what's cool about this, though, Chris, is Hyundai of Brazil has also supposedly tapped him to be the country's official brand ambassador. This poor dog has no idea that he's famous. He needs an agent that can correctly negotiate his contract. <laughs> Agreed. So he but, can get as much. But Chris, good- what a good boy. What a good boy. What needs, a good boy. He needs good boy treats. And, and if, unless sure he gets, he he's gets an doing agent. much better in the dealership than he was on the street. Yeah, that's right. All right, guys, subscribe. Head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. We really would love you to appreciate the show. Leave us a subscription and a five-star review. We would really appreciate that, you guys. And we will see you on